Hey there, it's Pastor Evan here. Welcome to Unpacked. This is a new series, Unpacking Life as a Messy Human. We're exploring the soul and the strength that comes from the journey of trying to live life authentically. We hope you find it helpful and that you can see yourself in the conversations, the stories, and the interviews. Have a listen and subscribe. This week on Unpacked, we discuss the topic of sadness. We share a little bit about the Enneagram and how it as a tool helps us to understand how we see sadness. I talk a little bit about how sadness is meant to draw our attention to something important, that it slows us down and shows us what we value. Ultimately, when we face our sadness, with the help of community and God, we can move towards healing. In this episode, I'm going to uh, talk a little bit about the emotion of sadness. And I want to just quickly describe why I'm doing that. The reason why is I've been reading a book lately. The book is called Why Emotions Matter. And, and we decided to start using just some of my reflections on the chapters I've been reading, uh, which unpack some of the different emotions. One of the episodes uh, related to that. So first of all, I want to just talk about how sadness is, is a signal that something needs to heal. Okay, before I get too much into that, I want to start off by talking about the Enneagram. Now, the Enneagram is this ancient tool, uh, personality tool that's kind of used to, to help us to understand different ways of, of seeing, of seeing the world. So the Enneagram describes nine ways of seeing as well as, as it's a kind of tool that helps us to understand the underlying motives behind our actions, behind the way in which we see and do life. For me, it's been probably one of the most helpful tools for under, understanding myself and how I'm trying to go about, about the world. I'm Enneagram 7, and 7s are often called the joyful ones or the enthusiasts. And, and I want to just quickly read for you just a description um, from Beatrice Chestnut's book on the 7. It goes like this, the type sevens are, are the person who seeks pleasure in different forms of distraction from the discomfort, the darkness, or the downsides of life. This numbers type drives it to defend against experiences of pain using kind of intelligence and imagination, charm, enthusiasm, all to kind of avoid uh, their fear um, and to avoid that fear through an optimistic look. So here's what, here's what this kind of means. It means sevens are really good at parties. Often, if you look at our social media page, it's fun to watch uh, because we are usually appear to be having a good time. In fact, um, we, we sometimes think that, that we need to bring the fun. So we're usually kind of witty and intelligent, right? And it, it, it sounds a lot of, like a lot of fun. But, but here's the thing. We are often uh, doing that as a distraction from our own discomfort. We're often doing that to avoid some sense of pain or, or a perceived pain. Okay, so why do I tell you all of this? All right, well, I'm telling you this um, because this week's chapter is sadness. A sadness um, is that signal, that emotional signal that tells us that something needs to be healed. 
this chapter on sadness and, and other things on sadness are designed to help us look inward at kind of our own pain. And um, this is kind of where this is a discipline for me. This is an act of obedience, actually, for me. It, it's something I know that I need to do, but, I, but it's not something that I like to do. I was talking to uh, Kristen, my wife, Kristen, and we were talking about how each number on the Enneagram deals with sadness um, in different ways. And, and she gave, gave this kind of awesome image. Um, and, and it's almost like all of our experiences are coming at us, including our experiences of sadness. And they come at us and, and each one we kind of pick up and we, we have a quick look at it and we turn it around and we look at it. And, and for some, they're, they're small sadnesses and we can just let them fall by the wayside. For some, they're a little bit larger. And, and, and for us, we, we have to take them in, receive them, a loss of loved one or, or failures or different things like that. And, and we put them in a container and sevens put them in a container and, and we like to put them in the cupboard behind us. And, and we put them in the cupboard behind us, kind of all in hopes um, that they'll disappear, that, that they'll just magically be taken care of. And so as you can imagine, that this can be like really problematic <laughs> in the big picture. So, so here we go. I'm, I'm going to dive into sadness as a discipline for me. And I have to do this in my everyday life. I have to look at the sadness with, with some level of reflection. And I think that we all do actually, if we, wanna, if we wanna be healthy humans. So sadness is a signal that something needs to heal. Sadness can appear without notice. Really, it, it, really any time we experience a hurt, a loss, a disappointment, and the, and the list could go on, we, we are susceptible to the sadness that comes with it. I think it's helpful to think about sadness like, like physical pain. When I was a kid, I, I hurt one of my fingers pretty bad. Okay, and I, I'm going to spare you the details of the story, but let me just say that there was an explosion and, and my finger, which I was lucky was only my finger, was, was wounded. And that, that whole story is podcast worthy, but we'll save it for a different day. For weeks, I had to wear this big bandage, this big gauze uh, over top of my, my hand and my finger. I had to be careful with it, with it, you know, gentle with it in, in order to let it heal. Then there were some activities that I couldn't do. I had to slow down. I, I couldn't play hockey. I had to stop practicing for an upcoming ping pong tournament that was coming. Right. And it, and, and in ways I was slowing down in order to aid the process of healing in order to actually speed up the process of healing. I had to slow down. It's a counterintuitive thing, but, it, but it is what has to happen when we have a physical wound. Well, in a way, sadness is similar. Sadness is meant to slow us down so that we can aid, get aid in the healing process. Our sadness is meant to draw our attention to something important. Because that's, that's the value of sadness. It shows us what we value. It shows us what's important. Oftentimes when people are in my office and maybe they're telling a story and they maybe break into tears and that happens pretty regularly. Sometimes I'll ask, what are the tears about? And it really, what I often hear is they describe something 
that they value. And then we get a chance to talk about it on a deeper level. The sadness, right, triggers our instinct to reflect. Sadness actually gives us the energy that we need to slow down and, and to go through that a little bit slower. I find it fascinating because, because mostly for me, when I experience sadness, I, I want to speed up. Uh, I want to I see that pain uh, in my story uh, go away as fast as possible. The learner in me wants to kind of go, okay, what do I need to learn from this sadness so that I can move on as quickly as possible? Right, So that I can essentially put it back in the container and put it back in the cupboard behind me with hopes that the next time I look in the cupboard, it'll be gone. But, but listen to this. This is fascinating. A guy named, uh, a psychologist named Joseph Forches, Forches found, uh, found in a clinical study that people experience, people experiencing Psychologist Joseph Forsyth found that in a clinical study that people experiencing sadness actually have improved attention to detail. They have clearer memories. They have less bias towards others, towards issues. They're they're also better at, at reading other people's emotions and what other people are going through. They're actually better at helping others. And, ah, oh, I totally want that. I want to be that. Not just as a pastor, but like as a human. I want to be a help to others. So in that way, sadness is like this wise old guide, you know, that, that forces us to slow down. It forces us to be present. It forces us to reflect Biblically, there's like sadness all over the Bible. Psalm, Psalm 35, 18 says that, that God is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. The big story of the Bible uh, of the Bible is that God is on his mission to come near to us, to, to draw us towards himself, to, to heal our suffering, our pain, our sadness. Jesus on many occasions was sad, right? He lost friends. He had a concern over the city of Jerusalem. We see that in Matthew 23. And it poses a question to me, if Jesus embraced sadness, you know, maybe, maybe I, maybe we need to give it a second look. Maybe, maybe there's something really important there. I could actually go on and give multiple examples, um, like the fact that Jesus was able to, to have this capacity to experience both joy and sadness. Boy, I want to hang on to that, the joy part especially, that, that he was able to hold both joy and sadness simultaneously. On the cross, he was able to experience the sadness of it all the pain of it all, the confusion of it all. And yet he was still able to embrace this joy that what he was working towards was worth it, was victory, was going to show people literally the way out of their sadness. 
See, joy is not the absence of sadness. Joy is having the confidence and the hope that we were made to survive with God's help. Okay, so here's how sadness can become problematic. And I'm just going to list a whole bunch of things. Because sadness reveals in us a vulnerability, our instinct is to cover it up. The more we cover it up, the heavier it can become. The vulnerability can be so scary that it causes us to isolate. Okay, I'm going to give you a little bit more on that a little bit later. That's important. When we get uncomfortable with, with other people's pain, we, we often minimize it to make it go away. It can cause us to, to encourage people, other people around us, to hurry through it. Our sadness can also become our identity. Our sadness can become an old friend that, that we like to hang out with. We can get attention with it. We feel others love us when we're sad. Right? That, or at least that's when many of us hear that we're loved, is when we express sadness to others. It, be, it can become addictive. And for a time, it is true that when we share our vulnerability, when we share our sadness with others, it causes in them to have an empathy and a deeper love for us. And so for a little while, it works. But over time, it can come to damage relationships. Unaddressed sadness can lead to hopelessness, right? We lose sight at the end of the tunnel. Sometimes sadness, and get this, is actually depression. And depression can certainly feel the same um, as sadness at times, but, but it's far more chemical. It's far more hormonal. Depression is serious and, and it can last a lifetime and it really does need professional help and intervention. Right? I'm certain that this list could go on. I, I could list a bunch more things. I'm sure that you can. And actually, I would encourage you to think about how has sadness been problematic for you? Not being sad every once in a while. That's not problematic. We're going to get to that. But how has sadness become problematic for you? Okay, so here's a few things I, I've been learning. How do we deal with sadness? Well, first off, sadness is normal and it is appropriate. Accepting that truth is the first step towards allowing sadness to help us. You hear that? Accepting that truth, first step towards allowing sadness to help us. So here's what we do. When sadness finds you, let it. Let it. Allow it to speak. Allow it to draw your attention to the source of the sadness. One of the most difficult things for me around sadness is, is the vulnerability that it brings. I want to help people. And, and, and so I, in my desire to help people, I want them to come to me. And, and so I can be tempted to, to withdraw when I get sad. In the same way, sadness has, has this, uh, the same effect as shame has on us. It's a vulnerable emotion. And so, so how do we do sadness? Well, well, actually, the first thing we do is we face it. When I, talked about, when I talked about shame, I talked about how it was a grizzly bear. And we have this instinct right, when we come across a bear in the woods to run. But really what we know from, from 
all the naturalists tell us actually now that, that actually if you come across a bear in the forest, you don't run. You don't hide even. You get big. You address that bear. You address it loud like you are in charge. And in a way, that's a little bit what we have to do with our sadness. When we face it, when we resist the urge to run from it, right? When we resist the urge to hide it. And how do we do that? Well, we have to face it. We have to resist the urge to run from it or from those who are our community. We have to be the people, right? Who open the cupboard and reveal the containers of our sadness to those who are closest to us, to our close friends, to our family, to a counselor, to if you're married to your spouse. In doing this, we're allowing them to see in and we're even allowing them to help us carry it, allowing them to give us some perspective on it. In many ways, what we're doing is we're allowing them to help us process it in a healthy way. I think that this is why um, there, there's so much sadness when we, when we lose a partner. Because, because they were ultimately the one who, who we, we truly revealed our sadness to. And now they're gone and we have to seek someone else. We have to find some other safe place. Some other place where we can be truthful with ourselves and others who can help us identify our losses. Being truthful with ourselves helps us to identify our losses. I think this is why Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Because Jesus comes into our way in our sadness. He reveals to us truth and he leads us towards life. I'm often surprised how, how, how quickly when people identify their sadness, how, how quickly they can, they can identify their need. And in that order, that identifying what we're sad about almost instantaneously seems to come with what we need, at least with the smaller stories of our sadness. It's kind of a strange reality. Okay, I'm going to close with this. Everything I have learned about sadness, both in, in my own study, but also in my life, is that we aren't meant to do sadness alone. I want to end with this. May you have the courage to feel. May you have the strength to be sad when you need to. May you have the wisdom to slow and to ask the big questions. May you seek places where you can be vulnerable. And may all of that lead to your healing. I think this is uh, as important to me as it is to anyone who might listen. I get sad sometimes. Um, I'm not always great at dealing with it. But with God's help and the health of my help of my, my spouse, my community, I believe that God um, can lead me towards joy. 
So may God be with you as you heal. Thanks so much for joining us.